This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. I've shared this topic before. It was exactly uh, July 3rd that I shared on this message. I'm not going to give you a title. I'm going to let you figure it out. But I really felt throughout when we were doing our, our series on living victoriously in the valley, which we finished last week, I really wanted to come back and revisit the July 3rd uh, sermon. So uh, before we go, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Help us to learn what you want us to learn. Help us not to fall prey in thinking, boy, I wish somebody else would hear this message. Lord, we, you, we know that you want to speak to us directly this morning. I pray, God, that we would not only hear these words, but, Lord, we would act on them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. One of my favorite verses, Proverbs 19, 22, and I love the King James Version because it says this, what is desired in a man is kindness. When it's man, I don't, I don't think they mean biological man. I think they mean mankind. So what is desired in mankind is kindness. And it says, and a poor man is better than a liar. So basically, uh, someone who is being genuine and real uh, to the, the standards of God's word. But right above that verse, it says, what is desired is kindness. And one of the things I would like to challenge us as a church, as we get closer and closer to these all-important holidays coming up, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I believe the church can really shine its light brighter. We can amp up the, the, the brightness in the area of being kind to one another. Amen? I think we live in a world that's mean. Uh, you just have to be on social media and you can see the meanness. I've been challenged like the people that uh, maybe I don't, dis I don't agree with, you know, that God is trying to win them uh, as well. So my job is not to, to hate them or not like them, but to figure out a way how I can uh, show them the light of Christ. One year, a few years ago, this is before my dad passed away, uh, we are from out of town, and we were driving to Sarasota, our family, and when we showed up, uh, it was my family. We were having a family Christmas, and so the family Christmas was going on. I go outside uh, to get a package or something, and lo and behold, this strange man starts walking towards my house, and I remember thinking, do I say something? Maybe my dad invited someone I don't know. And I kept thinking to myself, stay in your lane, Mario. It's not your house. And so uh, I stayed in my lane, and this strange man, then this strange lady comes into the house, and this person I've never seen, their son, walks into my house. It's Christmas Eve night. This is our family night. And I remember thinking, should I go tell them? To, they probably came to the wrong house. And then when I walk inside, of course, my dad's greeting them. And unbeknownst to any of us, even my mom, uh, he invited a family over for Christmas Eve dinner, family dinner. My first initial reaction, and I'm sad to tell you this, because you might think I'm, you know, I wouldn't respond this way. I was incredibly frustrated and ticked at my dad for ruining our family gathering. And then to, to top things off, uh, the guest knew how to play guitar, and my dad had them singing Christmas carols, and we were uh, 
I, my daughter was there, I remember, and my daughter got stuck in the front row, so she had to sit there. I have a very good uh, gift where I know how to slide out of a meeting and slide out of, and so uh, it was strange. It was strange to have this strange person in our house. I ran into that family years later, and let me tell you something, it impacted them that they felt incredibly honored to be invited to my dad's house. And they keep sharing that story. Today, I might as well tell you, I want to talk about hospitality and how we can shine the light of Jesus Christ, especially as we're coming up to these all crucial times of the year. When I say crucial, because people are, are going to go, we know this as a fact, they're going to go through challenges of loneliness and depression and a lot of uh, uh, anxiety that comes with it. Have you ever been alone in a different country? One year I had that opportunity to be in a different country where I didn't know anybody. I felt incredibly isolated. But look what Job says. Job says this, and this is really important. Job is in the middle of chaos. Now, there's not any one of us that's not in the middle of chaos. We're all in the middle of it. There's not anyone here that's not in the middle of it. We're all in the middle of it. We all have situations. We all have stress at work. We all have stress in family. All of us. But none of us had it as bad as Job. In Job chapter 31, in the state of in pain, and while he's in pain, he, he pens these words as his life is literally falling apart. If I have put my trust in gold, if I put my trust in gold or said pure gold, you are my security. If I've rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune of my hands had gained. If I've regarded the sun and its radiance or the moon, moving in splendor, so that my heart, my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage. Then these also would be my sins to be judged. For what I would have been unfaithful to God on high. So he's in the middle of it and he's telling us that he has not shared his heart with any of these things. If I have rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble that came to them, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by invoking a curse against their life. So he didn't allow jealousy to come in. He didn't allow, you know, uh, bad thoughts about his neighbors. But look what it says in verse 31. If those of my household have never said who has not been filled with Job's food? But no stranger had to spend the night in the street, for my door was always open to the traveler. My dad must have read this verse right before Christmas. And I must have forgotten about this verse right before Christmas. I, I had the opportunity to share in my dad's Funeral, and I remember uh, encouraging my my nephews would say chastising my family, and I'm like, who in my family is going to step up and invite that stranger to our house now that my dad is gone? 
What stranger will miss out in being part of a home because my dad is no longer with us? Who is going to step up? So I shared in the, in the funeral service that I fear for the lonely in our, in our Sarasota community. I fear for the, the person that's alone at church that won't be invited because I'm telling you, uh, my dad had lots and lots of faults. We can spend the rest of the day talking about his faults, but he had some strengths, and one of them was he lived out this thing where no stranger had to spend the night in the street. So when Job is literally protesting or lamenting about his sickness, but one thing he said, not even while I was sick did I neglect hospitality. I could put it down to our version. Even if our house was messy, I didn't neglect hospitality. Job took it so seriously, he added in like, you know, the lack of hospitality would be like paying homage to the sun and the moon, idolatry. By not, but not being hospitable, he is, he is saying that is the same as idolatry. He took it seriously. We know that he took not sinning seriously because in the very first chapter, verse 1, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away, eschewing, the new King James says, spitting out evil. Romans chapter 12 says, contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality. I shared this message back in July. And I'm wondering, how did we do as a church since the message was shared? You know, we have teachers in the, in the room. It would be like a, a report card. You know, we would give a report card and how we did. Now, you might say, well, I wasn't here, Pastor. Which, all right, so you were absent. We'll let you off the hook. Back to Michael Williams. I literally saw him grab a kid gently grabbed him by the shoulders. Actually, I think you tugged on his jersey a little bit and you brought him close. Now, I just imagined what you were saying to him. You probably were saying, you're such a fine young man. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you, I'm glad you fumbled the football, you know. Now, I don't know what you said, Michael, but my guess is that you were trying to help him to do better the next time around. Maybe he forgot a play. I don't know. So today's message, and I'm glad we don't have any visitors, is maybe uh, a tug of the jersey and say, hey, let's do better. Amen? And uh, that kid uh, didn't go home and cry. I think he turned around and, and, and played. And I'm, I believe that God has uh, matured you enough that you're not going to go home and cry because maybe I tugged on your jersey a little bit and saying, hey, how are we doing in, in practicing, practicing hospitality? In Romans 12, 13, it says, contribute to the, by the, uh, to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. It literally says, practice hospitality. It's a verb. It implies continuous action. In Romans 12, 13, hospitality is not something we just do once a year 
during Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's something we should be doing on a regular basis. Our homes, whether they're super clean or not, should stand instantly ready for strategic hospitality. Readiness to welcome people who don't ordinarily live there. I'll be honest, and my wife's not here to defend herself. We have, um, we have lived this out. And I don't say that with pride or anything like that. May God judge me on that. We have lived this out. And uh, we lived it out a lot to the point where um, my wife is tired. You know, I- I'm telling you, we have, we have hosted thousands and thousands of people in our house. 20-some years. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being, um, you know, I'm not trying to be evangelistically exaggerating. So one of the challenges for us is that we've, we've done it so much that we're tired. My house is tired. Literally, it's, uh, it's, it's getting old. And, uh, and so I'm praying that, that you as a church will take up the mantle of hospitality we just had some guests at her house last week, and you know my wife made homemade lasagna and homemade uh, cake and all this, and, and it takes a lot of energy, but it's not like she only does it once a year. We've done it for 20-plus years. So I'm praying as a church that we would step up and, and take on the, the mantle and the blessing and the responsibility to be hospitable. But our home should stand ready for strategic hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 8 says this, above all, unfailing, above all, hold unfailing your love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. I don't, I don't see he, ski here. But uh, I, I said this four months ago. Um, is there a rocket scientist in the house? And uh, he, <laughs> he's one of them. It's incredibly difficult to send a rocket up into space. The physical force of gravity is pulling down on that rocket. In order for that rocket to not be pulled down, from its gravitational pull, thousands and thousands of pounds of energy have to be pushed through that rocket so that it can launch into space. And I would say the exact same truth is with us. There is a psychological force of gravity that will constantly pull our thoughts, our affections, our physical actions to not be hospitable. Everything is working against us for us to be hospitable. Our thoughts are like, I don't have, you know, I I can't manage this. I can't, the the house is too messy or uh, they may not like my cooking or or, uh, it's too much. We don't have enough space in our dining table. And that's all these gravitational pull, pulling us down from accomplishing God's plan for our lives. The main gravity pull 
the spirit of this gravity is I would call, and I don't mean this to be mean or like you're self-centered, like you're selfish. It's just that we are self-centered in the sense that we're thinking of ourselves. I don't, my house is not clean. I don't have the right food. I don't have the right house. I don't have the right dining room. And it's, in all these things are pulling this rocket ship of Christ wanting us to lift off and, and to explore what he has for us in hospitality. It's being pulled down for so many reasons. I don't have time. There's not a person in this room that has plenty of time. We cannot yield to the gravity of self-centered life. If the Bible is telling us to be hospitable, then we must be. Build, I would say, a launching pad. Fill your fuel tanks with God's love for his people. And we need to stop neglecting hospitality. And we need to start practicing hospitality. I read this research, and, and I don't really know what the answer is. I'm going to tell you of a problem. I don't know what the answer is. But uh, the research about the elderly. And uh, once they hit retirement age, age 65 and older, the, 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 their loneliness is just launched. You know, they feel alone by themselves. Uh, I get it. My life's busy. I have, I have elderly parents, my mom, and, you know, she's calling me three times a day, and I don't have time to talk to her three times a day. I'm just very glad that she has six kids, you know, so she spreads it out. But I get it. I get that we don't have time to talk to mom six times a day, three times a day. But at least I try to take that moment at least one time a day and take time. I don't really have time, but I make time. Does that make sense? You make time. The elderly are going to go through an incredible amount of stress of being lonely this Christmas season, this Thanksgiving season. They say that anxiety and the, the, uh, the emotional toll on loneliness on the elderly, and especially if it's like all the time, like people live in uh, nursing homes, it's, it's the same effect health-wise on their bodies as though they were a pack of cigarette smokers. That's how it affects their bodies. So I'm not saying that we have to help everybody, but I'm going to believe God at the very end that God is going to give you a name. He's going to just drop a name in your mind and who you could begin to express hospitality. What does hospitality have to do with God? If it doesn't have anything to do with God, then why are we even interested in it? Because we are a God-centered church. But I'm going to tell you, you cannot read the scripture and not be encouraged, challenged about being hospitable. The Bible says, I am the Lord your God. Love strangers, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Why should a person love strangers? Because we were all strangers lost until God brought us into his family.
So there's all sorts of stories about the stranger becoming part of the family. Now, I love going to the always every message. I try to go back to Jesus. The ultimate act of hospitality was when Jesus died for us to make us all part of his family so that we can be part of the household of God. We sang that we're no longer slaves. We're no longer sojourners. We're not longer strangers. We have come home to God. And everybody who trusts in Jesus finds a home in God. Why did God do that? In Ephesians chapter 1, he destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. He did this for the praise and the glory of his grace. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift from God. So this morning, I know that you probably came thinking uh, you're not going to get a tug on your jersey, but I believe, I believe God will uh, give you the uh, capacity to handle it. When we look back, we can remember that we owe our life to an act of God's hospitality, Jesus. We were once strangers and aliens in the Egypt of sin and death, but God came to us in the Passover of his son's cross and made us alive. So what happens when you practice hospitality? I believe you experience joy because you're, you're a conduit to God's hospitality. God is going to use you to share his love and his light. He's going to go right through your, your life, your home, and bless those you're being hospitable to. What I pray is that we would never become a dead end to God's grace, where it stops with us, that you would allow God to allow his grace to flow through you and to those around her to not stop with you. We are people, we are designed as followers of Jesus to reflect God's glory and his grace. So we need to be strategic in our hospitality. So what might be I be asking of you today and to me? When you're filled with the spirit of Jesus, you begin to ask yourself, what can I do to draw people into a deep experience of God's hospitality. Lord, can I use my home to bring a deep experience of God's love? I think of that family that interrupted my Christmas night. And little did I know that year after the year, they would mention that moment. They were a family that was alone and got invited to another family. A spirit-led person asked, who might need reinforcements right now? And I could tell you, I'm not going to show you, I'm not going to point them out, but there are people right now, even in our fellowship, could really use a phone call and a meal together. Right now, they're battling the spirit of loneliness. A spirit-filled person asked, 
What can I do to be strategic, to bring people together in my home for the sake of the kingdom? I call this strategic hospitality. Strategic, spirit-filled hospitality is not just having the old gang over. Your old friends, the people that you already, you already know, and you know them, and you've been to their house, and they've been here. You know, you've, you're, you're back and forth. That's wonderful, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that have not, you've not been to their house, and they've not been to your house. They don't really know a lot of people in town. So spirit-filled people, God-pleasing people, praying spirit-filled people, strategize how to make hospitality as a way to make God known. And I would say don't ever underestimate the power of your living room or your dining room as a launching pad for someone to find Christ or hope and love. Your dining table is literally is like, you know, we could spend thousands of dollars and nothing wrong with this and send you overseas to show the love of Christ. Or you can spend $30, $40 on a dining uh, meal and have the same impact in showing Jesus, showing people the love of Jesus. So baby step number one. I think this is one of the biggest challenges. I know Ross always talks to me, what are the practical steps for me, you know? And I, I appreciate that. So I could have left it alone, like, all right, let's go be hospitable. But what are some practical steps? Number one, of course, is praying. But baby step number one is uh, be a good greeter in people's lives. Be a welcoming person. Baby step number two is greet people as they come to church and welcome people warmly. Here's another baby step. Instead of maybe you don't, you don't feel comfortable at your house yet, uh, Hey, let's go to Venabites or Whataburger after church. Can I take you out to, to lunch next week after church? Let the newcomer read the hospitable spirit of God in your life on your smile and face. A big person's step, not a baby step. Invite someone into your home. No one's going to check the floorboards. Thank the Lord, amen. <laughs> no one's, I like the one where he checks the top of the, the light, you know, the chandelier light. <laughs> Thank the Lord, right? <laughs> I think one time I was leaning back and I saw, I saw a little spider web <laughs> up on my ceiling. I'll be a little bit vulnerable. We had a guest last week and uh, we had this problem with gnats. So we had these, these sticky paper on the window and I forgot to take it down and it was like filled with gnats. And I said, I pray to God our guests didn't see it. Invite someone into your home. As a church, let's dream and pray and plan about being strategic. Allow hospitality to be the instrument that God will use and orchestrate his love into people's lives. Someone asked you to do something. I don't know if you have a piece of paper. Maybe you have a phone. You can text yourself. That's what I do. I text myself sometimes. I'm going to pray right now that God will give you a name 
of faith. We are approaching the loneliest time of the year for far too many. And I'm going to ask the Lord to give you a name, not part of your gang, not part of your clan, someone who's outside your gang and clan, that you could be hospitable to. And here's the other uh, step we can make is put a date on it. Like, okay, I see this person. I think by uh, November 20th, I'm going to at least have a phone call and try to set something up. Let's put a deadline for you to make sure you're being held accountable to what the Spirit is telling you. So literally put down a name and a date. Now what I like to do is I'll, I'll write on a piece of paper, but I'll actually take a picture of it because that paper that I wrote on may not make it to the car today, but my picture is going to be there. And there are certain times throughout the day I like to scroll and clean out my, my photo gallery. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. So let's do that, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit tugging on our jersey a little bit and my jersey a little bit. Lord, we, Lord, we want to be used for your glory. And Lord, we know that being hospitable is a phenomenal, fantastic, God, Jesus way of sharing the light. And Lord, that we can be a conduit of your grace and Lord, we, being hospitable is, a, is an act of bringing glory to your name. So Lord, help us. Bring a, a picture of a person's face, a name, a coworker that everybody knows he's by himself, she's by herself. Lord, maybe someone in our church right now that could use some encouragement with fellowship. Lord, help us as we approach this vital, great opportunity to show the love of Christ by being hospitable. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray, God, that name would be uh, coupled with a date of action. Lord, please help us not to leave this place without an action plan to reach out to someone. Say thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit for reminding us that being hospitable is part of your plan to grow your kingdom. Lord, we rebuke the, the, the spirit of this gravitational pull that's pulling on all of us. We don't have time. We don't have the resources. We don't have the right home, the right place, the right dining table, the right cooking skills. All those things that pull us from accomplishing your great plan for reaching this world. We love you, Father. Every eye closed, head bowed, and I just need, you know, just by raising hands, say, Pastor Mario, I'm going to, I'm going to have a name and I'm going to have a date and I'm going to I'm going to follow through. Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Yes. Lord, help us to not only be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Help me, Father, to do the same. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. I pray that you could, the Jersey tug was all right.
and that um, we can walk in confidence knowing that. One thing I loved about that jersey tug is that he wasn't coming up to the stands and tugging on some random person's jersey. He was tugging on a kid that was part of the team. And so the fact that he's part of the team is part of, you know, like saying we're part of God's family. You know, he, he loves us enough to, to tug on our jersey. So I pray that we would respond to him. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurch.com.